This podcast contains sensitive topics, including suicide. If you feel like you need to talk to someone about your mental health, there is help available. Don't be afraid to open up to your family or friends. If you're in Australia, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. They offer free 24-hour crisis support and suicide prevention. For those of you overseas, I encourage you to find out what services are available to you. Tazzy here. Thanks for tuning into the Cats Out of the Basket. This is the podcast where we hear the real stories of real people to understand the mental health journeys of others. So far, my guests have been people who have experienced mental health issues, managed their situations, and found a way to move forward in their lives. This has given us first-hand accounts into the lives of others, which has been very insightful. Make sure to check those out if you haven't already. I'll be taking a slightly different approach for the next few episodes, which will be part of a mini-series called Let's Talk About Suicide. Suicide is a difficult topic to discuss, but necessary for awareness and prevention. This and the next few episodes will feature guests who have been touched by suicide. Remember, if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts, there is help available. My guests today have an interesting story to share, which includes the implementation of a wonderful, proactive mental health tool, which we'll talk about more in a moment. Ariel and B, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's good to have you. So just tell tell the listeners a little bit about how I got to know you both. Um, It's a very community-based meeting, I guess, wasn't it? How we originally met. Wow. I think I met you at Open Up. Yeah, that's right. That's probably that. Uh, and that was one of the first ones I went to. I didn't go for a while because I was like, oh, I'm too young. You know, there's not going to be anyone there that's my age and I'll feel a bit bit like out of place. But when I did go, it was really incredible. It was such an amazing space and you just felt so inclined to open up. And I thought I had a great experience there and I went back a few times and yeah. Mm. What about you, Ariel? Uh, Hazzy and I first had a conversation at this um, the barbecue that 180 ran at the end of last year and basically it was just so people could get to know who was involved in the organization and immediately talking to Hazzy I felt like I could I felt like I'd known him forever basically and that's sort of how it's rolled till now Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah and then it's sort of going to open up with B a couple times and um, just being more involved in the community with the youth hub and everything. Mm. Um, we've kind of just kept crossing paths. And when I started listening to his podcasts, I immediately messaged him because I just thought it was such a great method of um, getting the message across and destigmatizing mental health within our community. And I wanted to do something on the wellbeing space so kids can kind of get a kids and everyone else really all the listeners can get a feel for what it actually is and 
what we're trying to do within our school and with our community in regards to improving the mental health and the happiness of our school. Mm. It's wonderful <laughs> that you guys are so passionate about this stuff. It's really great. And also shout out to 180. Uh, we'll do an episode with them in the next one mm-hmm. where we'll hear their story and what they're about. So it's, it's good that you, you guys are involved with them as well. It's a very good cause. And yeah. It's very important for our community as well. Definitely, yeah. All right, so just to loosen up a little bit, let's grab a question from the magical golden Chinese question box. All right. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. <laughs> I'll go to this one. If you could try out a job for a day, what would you try? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Does that mean you magically get the skill set of the job? Yeah, why not? Hmm. I feel like I do some sort of water sport because I'm not very water orientated and I, I often sit on the beach and like watch people surf and like row and whatever. Mm. <laughs> I always look at it and go, that's really cool, but I'm a land person. So mm. I think I'd probably try doing like professional surfing or something fun because I think that would just be a really awesome experience and something that I don't... Skill. Yeah, learning a new skill yeah. in like an instantaneous moment. Cool, <laughs> great. What about you, B? What do you reckon? S- sort of along the same path. I think I'd like to become one of those extreme sports persons that does everything. They'll like go fly- flying fox gliding off like a massive mountain and like mm. dive through like holes in rocks and come out the other side because like, you know... I'd like to do that, but I don't want to die. So it'd be nice to do it in a place where... I think the bravery of that is a skill in itself. Yeah. It? It'd be great. Even free diving where they hold their breath and then they oh, just go, yeah. I, that's insane. I would love to do that. And then next day I wake up like as myself again and be completely okay. <laughs> yeah. It seems cool, but scary. Very, yeah. I yeah. think... You'd have to have a lot of confidence in yeah. yourself and yeah. your lungs. Oh, my God. Mm. <laughs> Great. Let's ease our way into what we're going to discuss today. So what made you want to share the story on the podcast? Um, for me, I, I feel like a well-being space is sort of the future for mental health within schools, apart from obviously getting better counselling services. This is a good way for kids to proactively learn to manage their mental health and um, it gives them... The well-being space is just a space away from the school environment, so it's completely separate from um, class, lunchtime, whatever, and it's somewhere you can come and focus on being mindful and focus on what you're actually feeling in that moment to help sort of help your way through the stresses of being in high school. Hmm. Well, yeah, I think that too, because I've always, I've always been told, you know, if you want change, you have to go about creating that change. And you have to take the first steps because the majority of what we need to do is we do need to create a culture change around here that encourages people that it's okay and that that you can talk to people and culture changes don't happen overnight so the sooner you start the sooner hopefully things will change and this is the first step in us 
creating more. So if other people can do mm. that, then that'll help too. Great. Great answers. Thank you. Um, so let's take it right back to the start before the well-being space became a thing in the school. So set the scene for us. Tell us a bit about what happened and how that was for you. Um, well, I just want to put a bit of a warning, I guess, before, because B and I are going to talk about the events of last year. So if you're listening and you're not really comfortable with that, uh, maybe skip ahead. But um, yeah, so basically, um, in our school, we've had a horrible history of, um, of youth suicide. And um, basically, at the beginning of the year, or at the end of 2016, around about Sam King passed away. And then that was shocking in itself because it was very close to the Verrill's brother. And then within our school, within the first weeks of um, term one, one of our fellow peers, uh, Nicholas Pinheiro, passed away and he suicided. And that was shocking in itself for everyone in the school. Uh, I remember the morning coming into school. I didn't have a class until 10. And I wasn't sure if it was just a rumour or not. And then I found out that it was true and that he had suicided. And for me, uh, I spent a bit of time with Nick during primary school, but we'd definitely grown apart since then. And um, it was just so emotionally and just, it was draining and shocking. And coming into school, kids were just lying down and just you know they had their heads in each other's laps and just holding hands and just Mm. trying to I guess find a bit of courage to get through the day and it wasn't easy at all and it still isn't easy because I think we still don't really talk about it too much Mm. and um and for me that led to a big uh sort of a, a, a bit of an interesting coping mechanism because I really had no idea what to do. I had lost my uncle actually three days before Nick suicided. Mm. And then two days after that, um, Timothy Botero passed away from a illness he had been suffering for many years. And so it was sort of my first experiences with death, but like times three. <laughs> so I had no idea what to do. And the only thing I really did know what to do was to do sort of schoolwork. So I kind of evaded my grief and I didn't let myself experience it. Mm. And I just kind of went dove straight into my schoolwork and that has created, I think, a bit of an enduring issue with myself. But once I kind of came to terms with what it, with my grief and I let myself experience it, I came out the other end wanting to change the school, change our system. And that is why I joined the leadership team and why... I guess I've been so driven to get this well-being space out there. Mm. Yeah, sounds like it was a very tough time for all of you. What was it like for you, B? It was pretty awful for me as well for a few reasons, but I took it in uh, quite a different way to I think a lot of people did because I, I have a family history of suicide. My grandfather suicided when I was... 12 years old so I was kind of as much as that sounds awful I was kind of used to 
dealing with that sort of grief and the idea of like guilt that surrounds suicide and that impacts mm. people's families and the people people are close to. Mm. And so when I first heard that Nick had passed away, it was I was on my way. I was standing in a medical center getting a blood test, which is not a great time. And then so I was very delirious. I was quite out of it. And then I went to school and I was like, I don't know if I can handle this because I spent the whole morning trying to hide it from my family because mm. I didn't want them to worry because I didn't want them to think about me suffering the way that they had. And so I spent a lot of time sort of trying to hide it for the first two days. And then I think it sort of hit me that night when I went back through my phone and listened to a voicemail he'd left me like two weeks before. And I was like, okay, okay, now starts. Mm. And it, it was an interesting experience for everyone at the school because sort of we'd been very separate up until then and we didn't really know how to react to everyone being so sort of broken and so it it sort of brought everyone together but in this awful awful way where we were all like together but so separate at the same time Mm. and no one wanted to talk about it for a very long time but as time progressed it was strange I think everyone sort of talk about it but like no one really knew how I think the biggest struggle was people starting to think that they weren't allowed to be grieving anymore but people hadn't totally processed that guilt people were looking for a way to channel that guilt I think a lot of people were actually sort of wishing that they'd processed that at the time when they were allowed to and they were struggling now and there's a um, there's a quote by Patti Smith, grief is overindulgent, it doesn't serve anyone and it doesn't mm. honour the person. So if you like hold on for too long and you don't feel like you can move on, you have to find a way that helps you to move on. And for us, I think it was doing this. This was us moving on. Everyone was so sort of bounded together that we needed to make a change. Everyone was in that mindset that this couldn't happen again. Mm. So we didn't want other people to suffer. Not only did we not want other people to suffer mentally, the people who were who had suicided, but we also didn't want other people around them and the community itself to suffer. Mm. Yeah, sort of going back to feeling a bit guilty almost of grieving. Um I think for me it was also it got to this point and basically I've been focusing all my energies on other things apart from my grief and I actually I've been doing a lot of research into perfectionism recently and that is about basically focusing all your energy onto perfecting one specific thing and you deny your body the rest of that energy so it can't actually be a holistic force sort of thing. So I think that's sort of what happened with me. I was focusing all my energy on averting my grief that it just denied my body and denied myself that opportunity to actually take on board what had happened and internalize those facts. And yeah, the well-being space, for one thing, it was a creative and physical process. And along the way, it wasn't all at once. Well, towards the end, it sort of was because we got a lot of um, support all at once. 
but it was just a process and it almost in a way would sort of mirror the grieving process and that just allowed us as a leadership team and I guess parts of the school as well to to process and to get through that cycle healthily. Mm. Well, I commend you both on your level of self-awareness. I guess it would have been really important for you to find that throughout this process and it's ongoing thing. So I really commend you both on the way you spoke about that. It's really, really mature and really good. So thank you. That's all right. <laughs> just to move things along a little bit, I just wanted to ask you, what did the school do about this situation and how did that help you guys? and your friends? Well, this the day that it happened, it was sort of, you know, no one can ever be prepared for this as much as there's programs in place. No one can ever be prepared. And when we first arrived at school, the teachers were sort of standing around and no one knew how to deal with it because the school has programs still with it, but we have to remember that the teachers, they were shocked and suffering as well. And we were sitting there and we had tissue boxes around and um, teachers would like walk past and be like, are you okay? And talking to us, of course, it was very difficult altogether. But then later we were told there was a space then opened in the uh, teacher's staff room in A Block where there were counsellors that had come in to talk to us or we could go there to talk to us. Um, I think it's a lot on the students, not the school, that we didn't really utilise those resources I think everyone was just sort of so in shock at that point that they didn't want to have to acknowledge it that's why no one really took advantage of those resources that were there for us for a few weeks and yeah um yeah for me walking into the air block uh, common room just seemed to be such a big uh, sort of endeavour that I never actually partook and I probably should have because that probably would have been the most healthy thing for me to do at the time. But um, what happened actually on Thursday after we all, we heard the news that Tim Batero had passed away, um, basically a lot of I never went to Avalon Public School and a lot of my friends had known Tim for a very long time so it was sort of flipped I had known Nick for a long time and then now it it was um sort of I guess now that was sort of their experience as well in a way and um we were sort of standing outside the hall wondering like what the heck are we supposed to do and Miss Peachman, who's the coordinator of the leadership team, sort of took my group of friends and we went up into the English staff room and they just made us cups of tea, gave us chocolate and they just kept the conversation going and every time we'd sort of lapse into silence and it was kind of clear that everyone was sort of thinking about it again, they just tried to spark up that the, um, the conversation again and just keep us talking to keep our minds off it. And that experience I've like I've held on to that for a long time because it was just such an act of kindness and I'm so grateful and it was one of the ways that I sort of realized that the teachers at Banjoy are just incredible like they are mm. so humane and just really lovely people mm. yeah it's great that they handled it the way they did because I can imagine for them it would have been something out of the ordinary as well and their actions seems like it really 
made a difference to you and, and your grade and, and the school in general as well? My group had something like that too, like somewhere to go. We, um, I remember I was just, I didn't want to sit down in the playground. I didn't want to sit in the concrete, like lie on the concrete and just cry anymore. Mm. <laughs> like we were all sort of doing for the morning and I went to my music teacher, Miss Vandal, and I was like, we need somewhere to go. And she was like, that's it. She kicked the year nines and kicked mm. everyone out of every music room was like, everything's yours. Mm. So we lay on the ground in the studio for in total silence for probably five hours and it was actually incredibly healthy for a lot of us mm. just that that silence and just being able to lie there I lay underneath the grand piano and just kind of looked up at the top of it at the bottom of it and all the little like intricate woodwork and I just stared at it for a very long time mm. and what I realised in doing that was that we had a space to go, but not everyone did. Like, not everyone had this place like we had. A lot of people weren't fortunate enough to have mm. a room to go to, and that's sort of why we've created this in yeah. some part. Yeah, that's a good segue. Um, so, firstly, thank you for setting the scene for the listeners and for me because it's really hard to talk about... Uh, and but it is necessary to sort of understand why we you did what you did, and, and so thank you very much for for sharing that. Really appreciate it. So it sounds like the well-being space is what I like to call the proactive epiphany, which is sort of similar to what the 180 people had, which we'll learn more about in the next episode. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about the thought process which led to the creation of the well-being space and what characteristics about you made you have this reaction and approach to the situation you faced? Well, I think it's important to talk about our leadership group. So that's for the, those people who don't go to an um, Australian public school. It's basically a group of senior leaders, so that is year 12 students, and then there's two captains, and in our school that is a girl and a boy, and that is Ella Couston and Eli Thompson. And then there's the two vice captains, and they, they can be any gender. So um, that is B and I, we are the vice captains of Baron Joey. And then we have a team of other senior leaders, and I will not name them all because there are quite a lot. <laughs> and anyways, so, when I guess the elections happened, <laughs> um, basically as a team we came together and everyone unanimously said we want to focus on mental health because we had all had this experience, we all knew Nick, we all knew the people who had suicided and we were all in the Avalon community. So we all decided that we wanted to focus on it, bettering Baron Joey's mental health system and making Baron Joey a happier school. And so, yeah, for me, that was a very big sort of step and an endeavour to making improvements in my own mental health and bettering sort of my grieving process. And then we had an SRC day down at the Avalon Surf Club, and that's basically our entire SRC uh, from all years, so year sevens through to year twelves. And we worked on our initiatives, and they were all mental health-based, and the wellbeing space came out on top as the year 12s initiative and the year 11s initiative as well. And um, that came through Zoe Whitlock 
And we all brainstormed basically all day on how to make this space work and how we can run other initiatives throughout the school to um, involve the younger year groups because obviously it's hard for year sevens to write grants and everything. Um, so there's been several initiatives like Pancake Day that B has run and that's raised money for the space. And um, we now run art therapy instead of Wednesday sports so kids can go up and do art instead of, yeah, as an option mm. instead of sport. And that's been really great and kids are loving that. And yeah, so I think for me as a um, individual, uh, I am quite proactive in myself and I think those months when I had slipped into I like I was grieving unhealthily I actually um I wasn't myself and getting into the leadership team and you know writing that speech that um that you needed to give to the school to sort of get the votes mm. um that I did say I wanted to work on mental health because I believe that mental health and being happy is above all education, basically. Like, that's the most important education you need for yourself. And, um, yeah, so I think doing the wellbeing space was sort of a road back to becoming myself again. Mm. Well, yeah, and the same sort of thing, I... I was I thought we needed to make a change and we couldn't just do something small. I was like, we can't do we can't we can always raise money, we always raise money for people, we always do something that can indirectly help our community. But this was a point where we needed direct action, where we needed to do something directly for ourselves. There are points when you have to because we usually do a charity focus, but this was where a point where we had to serve ourselves. So we had to go, this is what we need as a community. And this is, we have an opportunity right now to change Baron Joey in the future. And that's what it's all about. It's about helping the next group of people and the next. And that hopefully, I don't know, this year's group of year sevens, when they get to year 12, this will be something that they're totally capable to deal with. When they get stressed, they'll know that they can come to this room and de-stress. They'll know that there's people to talk to. If we, you know, you may think we're like, you keep pushing, pushing the idea of mental well-being, but the, the longer you push it, the more normal it becomes to people. Because for a lot of the kids in our year, some who have not really used the space, it's very jarring because they haven't had anything like it before ever. So it's sort of like being something thrown onto you. However, having something here from the beginning and having students taught how to use it and how to take care of themselves that changes that changes the culture and that's how we proactively you know make Baron Joey a better place for the future where people feel, feel more safe and more comfortable tell us a bit about who else helped you along the way to get this thing happening well we were sort of getting to crunch time because we wanted to have the wellbeing space up and running by the first week of term two. And it was about week five and we were kind of looking around like we don't have enough money to do this. And especially the wellbeing space is situated in what used to be the connected classroom in our school's library. And the librarians weren't too happy about losing that space because they did run library classes in it, etc. 
And so we needed to figure out a way to have it be flexible so it could be the well-being space and it could also be a learning space. And what we needed to do that was flippable desks, which cost a small fortune. <laughs> so at this point, I asked, well, why aren't we applying for grants? Like, there's money out there. You just have to do, do the right thing to get it. So then I wrote a letter to Rob Stokes, who is the um, education minister in our local area. And I wrote completely from the heart, basically, and about what we needed to make our school happy, to make our school healthy, and to get this space up and running. And within a couple um, weeks, it was actually um, on Nick's anniversary, I think, he got back to us saying he wanted to fund the entire project. And that was one of the best sort of, I guess, full circle things in a way. Mm. And um, yeah, and then there was also a company called Kingfisher Furniture who they came back and they said that they would provide these flippable desks, which basically they can fold up and go against the wall. They wanted to provide them all for us and they wanted to provide couches and all kinds of different furniture goods <laughs> that we needed to get this space to be comfortable and happy. And um, there's been several others. I can't think of them right away. I f this is a bit embarrassing. Um, oh, <laughs> um, Bee's mouthing Miss Peachman, which I find I quite often forget to thank her because she's just a constant support. And I guess when it's always there, you kind of forget about it, which is really bad. But um, Miss Peachman has been, I think, the most amazing uh, leadership coordinator and uh, she's just the most incredible human being like she's been <laughs> volunteering for stuff since she was like 12 years old or something mm. and she's just been so supportive of us and she's acknowledged the fact that this room is a um, I guess uh, to be a bit Englishy as she is an English teacher a physical representation of our um, our emotional and psychological recovery in a way <laughs> mm. um and I just, she's just such an incredible teacher, such an amazing support and just an amazing member of the staff. And we are so grateful for her to um, have been our support. I also think we should thank the obvious, our principal, Mr. Bowsher. He's, it's been great the way that he's facilitated us to do this. We were like, we want to create a wellbeing space. We want to steal a room from your school uh, without you having any direct trust in us yet. We haven't done anything to prove to you that we can do this yet, but we want you to trust us and let us create this space that we think will greatly benefit Baron Joey. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And we were like, oh, we thought that'd be much harder. <laughs> and yeah, he was like, well, yeah, you just do this, put out a survey, like uh, contact people, find out ways to get furniture like think of what we need like what do what do we need to get the space running and like how can I help mm. and we were all like oh thank you so much <laughs> and he really facilitated us to create the space because without his support this would have never happened mm. and he, he's done a lot of great things like that especially since Nick passed away where he's helped find ways to help this community especially facilitating and organising the um, youth hub space as well. Mm. Great. Well, 
yeah, big thank you to everyone who who did something for this space. It's it's amazing, and we give recognition to the people that uh, we couldn't quite think of. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thank you to everyone. It's it's really great that everyone's coming together and doing something for the school and for the community. It's amazing. So I'd like to ask you. How did it feel on the opening night, knowing that something that started from a small idea became a real, tangible thing? Uh, well, I actually gave a speech with Eli Thompson, the captain of our school, um, that night. So I was feeling exceptionally nervous. <laughs> mm. But um, my past counsellor, actually, I invited her to come because it was kind of like, look what I did. Look, look. Mm. <laughs> And um, yeah, and that was amazing. And she actually brought a little gift for the room, which is those um, are the cards that counselors use, and you kind of can get more in touch with your emotions mm. by seeing what you see in the cards, yeah. which was very nice. And um, my parents came, which was a, another big thing because they had actually missed quite a few of my last school events. And um, Sort of just seeing the room and seeing everyone in it. It was a small group of people, but it was an important group of people who were there. We met the first. We first met Laura from the youth hub. She was awesome, and we immediately got involved with that. And basically, it was just so gratifying to um, to think that this was an idea, and now it was a physical space that we could stand in, we could use, and we could promote within our school, and it's actually going to help people and it was just one of the most amazing experiences that sort of made you think well it made me think that you know actions do matter and my actions matter Mm. on one level it was like that you know we were very proud of ourselves because we were so happy but on another level it meant that opening nine signified the, the rest of it the fact that now we had to go and do the hard work which was actually bringing about change and actually convincing students that they needed to take care of their mental health and that you can't just ignore things, which is what we tend to do. So while it was so, so incredibly sort of, we felt so proud of our achievement, but we also felt now we have to, this is where we have to start mobilising the students to take care of themselves. However, there were also so many people there that made us think, oh, like this can happen. Like uh, while it was a small group and it was an important group, as you said, there were so many people in there that were so fully fledged (laughs) to help us and different councillors, non-councillors, like councillors, but from the um, local council, the Northern Beaches Council that were there to talk to us and they were supporting our cause. I actually thought one of them was a counsellor when she first introduced herself to me and I was talking to her for 30 minutes thinking she was a counsellor until she cleared up that mistake. But there were so many lovely people there that were so committed to help us in our cause and made me think, wow, we can actually do something here, that this is something important to everyone here and that we do need to make a change for them. What's well, great. I think you guys should be very proud of yourselves like you were on that night and just continue that pride and let that guide you through making this place better still. We're actually sitting in the room right now <laughs> for the listeners. We're actually sitting in here. It looks pretty good so far. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm liking it. There's some comfy couches around. So 
I want to hear from you guys. Tell us a bit about the the space and, you know, in short, what are the goals of having the well-being space? Well, the space is incredibly comfortable. Uh, we t- looked into some research and like, what are the most calming colours? So we've got a nice uh, green. <laughs> I can't remember exactly what colour card it was, but it was it's like a um, a little bit limey, but nice. I don't know. We'll post a photo. We'll post so a photo yeah. on what green and you can say, like, what green is it to you? <laughs> and um, we've got... Yeah, nice charcoal grey couches and they're all really comfy. We have this blanket from Kmart, which is the fluffiest, most comfy thing I have ever experienced. And um, (laughs) yeah, we've got our beanbags. We have a little tablet over in the corner where kids can go and um, listen to podcasts, meditations, etc. and just kind of chill for a bit. We also have a, um, a scent diffuser, so the room always smells good. Apart from now, because it hasn't been on in a while. <laughs> it's not that bad right now. No, it doesn't smell like a dusty old um, library anymore. Mm. And um, yeah, we also have just different books on um, and resources about taking care of your mental health and mindfulness activities. Um, posters about 180, how to get involved, how to, when, when open up is. Mm. And... Um, yeah, just a lot of resources and it's just a really comfortable space. Like whenever I come in here, it's just so separate from everything. It's so nice. It definitely is the best interior design in the whole school. <laughs> it's new furniture, which is lovely. It looks so nice. I'm so proud of our work in here. Uh, the couches are so comfy. Prime place to take a nap if you feel like having a bit of a break from school and of course lots of nice fluffy warm blankets during winter which is really nice and of course there's so many different meditation apps on the tablet which has headphones so that you can sort of find what works for you because for a lot of people with self-help and well-being it's about finding what works for them so we've tried to provide all different things like that like we have coloring books and yeah lots of different things Mm. great so is there anything that you're working towards the room having as well? Like more things you're looking towards? Um, well, I'm not sure if it would necessarily be the room, but um, I'd love for public schools to not just have one counsellor. And I think if the counsellor was actually able to use the wellbeing room as well, that would be quite good because in a lot of schools, the counsellor's kind of tucked away in this little corner and... <laughs> It's still got stigma around it, which is obviously something we need to break down. Mm. But, yeah, again, getting through that door is very difficult. And if it's a welcoming space like this one is, I think that would be easier. So, yeah, I think not so much as the well-being space, but as the sort of well-being... um, um, Yeah, well-being of our school in general. We need just more more counselors because again it's it's like your own mindfulness not everything like it's not a puzzle you know you can't just magically make it all fit together you actually have to find something and someone who will work with you and works for you and stuff Mm. so Mm. I think that and um I think it's got a pretty good um 
a pretty good setup. Probably some more books. I think we need some more books. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not really about putting more things like physical option uh, objects in the space. It's about creating the culture of the space. It's about us doing things in the space that aren't just like, you know, you can come in here and have a rest. It's about us using the space to hold events that promote mental health. Like we want to have people like mentors that are out of school come in and talk to year 12 students about like their experiences with finishing school and like not just success stories. Like we want, you know, people that didn't think they were going to do so well, didn't do that well, but now they're having a good time. You know, we want just the, you know, the sort of regular stories that makes you, oh, you know, year 12 actually isn't the end of it. Like we're so constantly told every day of high school. Mm. And so it's just about teaching people. That's what we'd like to use this space for education, but not the sort that sort of education we want wellness education but not just in a proactive way where kids will come in and read and spend their time. We want people to help facilitate it. Mentor programs, maybe like meditation workshops or anything else we can do in here. Mm, like life skills. Yeah, yeah, I actually just thought of something. Um, well, during July, 180 had the, um, the their mood food event mm. and that was a, um, a panel of nutritionists, cooks and all kinds of stuff and people. Um <laughs> And they were talking about the diet and how important your diet is to your um, to your mental health. And I think it probably wouldn't be held in the room because we don't have any cooking facilities facilities in here. Mm. But if we actually like held a cooking class for senior students in which they actually learned how to make healthy food and mm. how to actually use their kitchen, because there's a lot of kids who still don't really do that. Yeah, right. I so, barely know how to do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if you actually had some like handy meals that you could cook for yourself because like I'm moving out at the end of the year do I know how to use my kitchen no (laughs) so yeah that's sort of my goal is to learn how to make healthy food that feeds your um your microbiome (laughs) I remember the word (laughs) so it could be sort of like uh for transitioning into life after school as well yeah and like filling in the void between high school and university and Mm. like for me I'm not going to university so the rest of my life is kind of just a void at the moment that's slowly getting filled in. So um, I'll be doing a lot of cooking in the future. <laughs> what would you say to students at Baron Joey who might be thinking about coming to use the room, but they're, they're not quite sure if it's right for them or they're a bit worried about it? What would you say to them? Um... I would probably say that getting through the door is the hardest part because, like, there still is a bit of, like, oh, she's going into the well-being space or whatever. But I think that's completely insignificant in the grand scheme of things. Like, and that's something we have to work on as a school and that's something that I think just kids in general have to work on is that your mental and emotional well-being is more important than other people's opinions of you and that's something very hard and sort of a very hard concept to grapple with and so I think if you're thinking about coming in using the well-being space just do it like there's a quote that I've been using very like a lot recently and it is um it's the start that stops most people and so for me it was difficult starting counseling last year but I um, once you get through the door, you realize how liberating it is to be able to actually 
cope with yourself and cope with your own well-being and it's empowering coming in and meditating for a bit you leave thinking i've actually taken care of myself today and that is so important mm. also people forget that you know you don't have to follow our structure of well-being like you can come in here and do whatever you want you can take your transition period into using this space properly you can come in and have a nap if you'd like like you know that is well-being in the middle of a long school day you have eight period you have seven periods you gotta take a nice little break have a rest it's just about yeah coming through the door getting used to the space and going right this is what i can do like i don't have to do this straight away but you know working towards helping yourself because it's not just breaking the stigma around other people sorry it's about um you know breaking the stigma down within yourself so that you don't feel like you're judging yourself you that's the first barrier you have to pass hmm. yeah well, that's good advice and hopefully people will be listening to this and then maybe switching on and coming here and yeah, doing what they need to do for themselves please come we want kids to enjoy it yeah. <laughs> Let's talk a bit about the future of the well-being space. So what do you hope to do with the space in the future? And for example, what, what do you wish the space will be like in about five years, well after you guys have left school? Uh, what I am extremely excited about is the fact that this year's year seven and next year's year seven will come into a school and... The well-being space will be here. It will be normal for the well-being space. It will be inter integrated into the rhetoric of the school and just it will be there and it will be integrated into the culture of the school. And basically, hopefully they won't have as much trouble as we have in um, engaging with the space. And like that's I'm so excited to have a generation of kids who have grown up with the youth hub in Avalon and then they've come to high school and they have a well-being space. And then when they leave school, they have 180 and they can come to open up and there are support networks all throughout the growing up process. And um, that's sort of the most exciting thing for me. And I'm not sure it's not. Yeah. Like B said, it's not adding things to the room necessarily, but it's using it. It's um, having yoga classes in it and it's uh, also having parent support as well mm. in the room so parents know how to facilitate mental well-being for their kids at home and uh, cook good food <laughs> um, yeah it's just about um, helping this to become part of Baron Joey that's all we can hope that this will be effective because the most tragic thing would be if no one used it and then we didn't like help it grow in any way and then it just slowly phased out because that would be the largest failure on not only our part but everyone's part because they're denying themselves um, the capacity to help themselves. It's all about teaching ourselves to take care of ourselves because we don't want to. As a people, teenagers really hate doing things. Mm. Like we really, really hate doing things it's about self-checking yourself and going okay for once I have to do this thing it's small it's for myself it'll be fine it's about learning to take care of yourself and mm. in doing that you help other people too you got to be your best self 
best self to help other people. And that's why I think we're doing this because in helping other people with this, we're becoming our best selves. Yeah. Yeah. It's good, good words. That. Inspirational. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask you guys, uh, what would you say to someone who might be listening to this who could have the power to create a well-being space in a school they're associated with? So they might be a student, a teacher, or the principal even. Um, do it. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's going to be different for every school because there's a different culture in every school. Like in Barangoya, we are all quite stubborn uh, because we don't go beyond the bends. Well, I do, but not many other people do. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> The Benz is a windy road that is before you get to our suburb. And yeah, not many people venture outside of it. In and out, really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're either in or you're out. <laughs> um, yeah, so obviously, the, yeah, the culture is different in every school. But if you, uh, if, you can, if you can facilitate a well-being space within your school, it will hopefully improve everything because it makes happier kids like if you're mindful and if you're uh, in touch with your emotions and who you are you are automatically more at peace with yourself and more and, and like subsequently more happy so I think um, apply for grants that's what we did that's what really sort of pushed it for us um it pushed it right along and it was all of a sudden like within three weeks the well-being space was just here already and it was mm. very like I guess shocking and exciting and um yeah so apply for grants because there are there is money out there that the government is willing to give it's just a matter of um asking for it <laughs> and um yeah d going through that sort of pathway and sort of being able to um access that resource and um yeah, and just I yeah, just promoting mental health and mental well being. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not and you don't have to necessarily make like a well being space, but it's about taking the ideas that sort of created this space, the idea that, you know, the education system has problems with mental health and that we need to step up to combat that and it's not even like you know oh but what if it's not used it's like but you did this and you proactively created something that is made to help it's about doing everything that you can to help people not like and it's about doing it before something bad happens mm. for us it was very much a reaction but not it isn't for everyone this is about creating something that will help people not waiting for tragedy to strike before you do mm. Yeah, because I, I guess the best way is to be preventative and early intervention as well is, yeah. is the best way to combat these things, isn't it? Mm. If you have um, mental well-being as a precaution, it will definitely help. Yeah, great. So is there any other information you might want to share if someone decides to go ahead with the idea who's listening to this? Um, know that it is a slow process. It's not like you're just going to make a well-being space and kids will be flocking to it. Because unfortunately, within our society, there is still so much stigma regarding getting help for yourself. And so, yeah, it is a process. It is a culturalization process that um, it, it takes time and it's not going to happen overnight. But just giving the resources, even just like if you're a teacher, 
letting your students know that you are there for them, you're open to talk. Um, if you're a student, being accepting of everyone and letting your friends know that you are there for them and you are emotionally aware for that yourself and for them mm. and just creating a, an environment in which kids feel safe and kids, teachers, everyone feels safe and able to um, just be themselves and be mindful. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes to the above. Yes, yes to the above. Yes to all the above. Tick, tick. Yeah. No, we're, that's all we can hope to do, you know. And if you do something like this, all you can hope to do is to you know slowly but surely unite everyone because mm. everyone wants change it isn't in inherent to humanity that we want change and even if we don't realize the need for it so early and if we don't realize the need for it until it's too late it's always important to recognize that need mm. and to recognize that something has to be done and if you're doing that like you know good on you you're part of the solution mm. Well, I guess that concludes the main chunk of what we're going to discuss today. You, you want to try another question from the random question box? Yes. Yeah, yeah go for it. Thank you. Okay. Is that one or two? That's one. What do you think about those DNA ancestry tests? Um, <laughs> would you your results be interesting? Yeah, I always rave on about those. That's why I put that in. Yeah. What do you think? I think they're super cool because mm. I am, first of all, so, so Irish. <laughs> like I'm ginger and I'm so pale. But then my uncle... My like estranged uncle, who I'd never met until recently, did a um, ancestry test, and we found out we're like, first of all, we're Romani, mm. and like, second of all, so many different things. We traced our like Viking family clan through this ancestry test, and then like found out more and delved deeper afterwards. Like literally back to the very beginning, my last name is Twibel, which is a double-bladed Viking battle axe. That's what a Twibel is. Mm. And like we could trace that all the way back to, I don't even know when. I don't know when Viking times are, but yeah. And I was like, this is so cool. This is all because they looked at my DNA for a tiny bit. Like, mm. wow. <laughs> mm. um, my DNA would not be as interesting. <laughs> I don't think, I wish I was a Viking to be honest. Um, Everyone does. Yeah, well, my last name is Wheeler, which is very uh, basic. <laughs> um, I would love to do a DNA test, to be honest, but I think I'm half American and my mom grew up in the smack bang middle of the USA, so I think I'd just find a bunch of um, yeah, hillbillies. <laughs> um, you never know, there might be Native American or something like that. Yeah, but we're also very white. <laughs> um, but I would be—I would like to know. There are two questions I have. Um, I have blonde hair and blue eyes, and my mum has like brown hair and green eyes, and my dad has brown hair and blue eyes. So I'd like to know where the blonde came from. My dad did say he was blonde when he was younger, but hmm. you know, things just aren't adding up. And also, my brother is six foot one, and I am five foot one, and I think I have finished growing. So. 
where's the midget? Um, That's called bad luck. Yeah. <laughs> um, why didn't I grow tall enough? I do have a grandma who's like four foot 11, so that's probably the obvious answer, but I would like it to be something cool. Like I had a Viking uh, ancestor who was actually four foot tall and it's just slowly gotten bigger, I guess. Uh, just pretend that you did the test and maybe that's the answer. Mm. And just roll with that. Yeah, yeah, my complexion it totally adheres to being a Viking. So yeah, yeah I might just steal that from you, B. All right, so on this podcast, we also like to promote feeling good. And one of the ways I do that is to ask every guest what their ultimate feel-good song is. I know it's a very hard thing to choose because there's so many awesome songs out there, but at the moment, what do you guys think? What's your ultimate feel-good song? Now, it's very tempting right now to say feeling good because, (laughs) haha. But I'm going to say Falling for Twelves by Craig D'Andrea from the album and the BLTs. Because I don't even know why I love that song so much, but it, it's resonated so deeply with me. I just love acoustic guitar. And I think it really does something when you listen to really lovely guitar music. It just sort of grounds you. And there's it's not like there's lyrics or anything. It's not like you're thinking about what they're saying. You're thinking about what the music's communicating. Mm. And it just reminds me of a very happy place in my life, right? was and it was just sort of sitting in the backyard around in summer around the fire or my friends in there with the guitar like really cheesy basic stuff but just this lovely just sort of sense and feeling that like comes back every time I listen to the song Mm. well uh, I'm gonna be a bit rebellious and just chuck two in but my first one would be Mona Lisa's and Mad Hatter's by Elton John Mm. and then this one just came to mind um it's What's Up by Four Non Blondes because boy do I blast that song. <laughs> when it comes on in the car, it is like karaoke town. I am like totally going for it. I don't know. It's just such a quirky tough song and like yeah. she wears that cool hat. <laughs> and, um, yeah. I'm a fan of the He-Man version mm, as well. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that song is definitely, it's like, I'm not going to lie, it's just recently sort of popped up in my life because I started working in the Megalong Valley and I was um, driving my friends who we all work together um, around and they were like, oh, play What's Up by Four Nine Blondes, play What's Up. And I was like, I kind of don't know what this song is, but as soon as it started playing, I was like, oh yeah, I know this. Mm. And then um, I started watching Sense8 on Netflix and it is a major anthem in Sense8. If you don't watch it, you sh- totally should. It's really cool. And feel um, good show. a feel-good show. It is. A, it's about the connectedness of humanity. Feel-good mm. shows are so important. Yeah, mm. it's also mildly explicit. So don't watch it if you're young. And um, <laughs> and yeah, so that sort of it just kind of kept popping up in my life. And now it's like a full addiction. That's probably one of like it's always on my queue to play. Mm. So yeah, it's a. It's quite a banger. (laughs) Make sure to check out those songs. We've come to the end of the podcast, so I'd just like to ask you both one last question. What's one more thing you'd like people listening to this to take away from it all? That when awful things happen in life and when you do lose people especially when you lose people to suicide that a great way to deal with that is to go how can I help this 
how can I stop this from happening? And I mean, it may not work for everyone, but one of the best ways to process this the things that you're struggling with is to try and find a solution, not just for yourself, but for everyone. Mm. And that like you can get through and by helping other people, you help yourself. Uh, The one thing I would want everyone to take away from is a thing that I've sort of titled myself. I call them anchors. And um, I guess they're sort of these things you can do for yourself yeah, it's kind of like if you're out in a storm on a boat, you throw out an anchor and it just stills you for a little bit. And for me, that has been uh, my horse. I bought, I've always been a horse lover since before I can probably even remember. And um, I bought him in year seven. I've had him all the way through high school and he has been my absolute anchor throughout this entire experience. Um, and when things get completely like out of control emotionally and everything I just go to him and he is just an anchor and there's other things like music anchors a lot of people in the present and it's just having that ability to throw out an anchor and stop and just be for a little bit and uh, just to you know take it back and look at what really matters put things in perspective Mm. well they're two very good messages so Thank you very much. And that concludes the podcast. I want to thank you both for for taking the time and just uh, thank you for being so well-spoken and and just, yeah, it was really nice to sit here in in the well-being room and and (laughs) listen to you guys talk. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for having us. It's taken us a while to get it together, but it's, (laughs) I think, totally worth it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this episode. Please remember to like, subscribe and follow on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud or the iTunes podcast app. Or send me an email at catsoutofthebasket at gmail.com. you need to talk to someone about your mental health there is help available don't be afraid to open up to your family or friends if you're in australia you can call lifeline on 13 11 14 they offer free 24-hour crisis support and suicide prevention for those of you overseas i encourage you to find out what services are available to you